Hey everyone, Max here with uh, my first ever MinMax vlog. Today I'm going to be talking about Legacy Unchained, the, um, the format that we invented that unbans about a dozen or so banned cards in Legacy, and uh, we're duking it out to see how good these cards actually are. Some of them not actually that busted, are they safe to unban in Legacy? Are some just absolutely game-breaking, or um, do they fall somewhere in between? So, we have 24 players, and each of us bring 5 decks per week to play uh, best of 5 matches against each other, where you can only play each deck once, so you get to cycle through decks quickly. And uh, we go from there and battle it out in a double elimination tournament. And we'll see which decks rise to the top and uh, which ones kind of fall off. And so what I want to do today is talk about some of the week one deck lists that people submitted and uh, my first impressions about them. So uh, kicking it off, let's, list through, let's look through all the cards that were unbanned in this format. We have Deathrite Shaman. It's a uh, green-black 1-2. It's a green-black hybrid man, I should say. Either one works. It's a 1-2, because why not? Actually, here's why Deathrite Shaman is a 1-2, if you, if you were ever wondering. Dark Ascension came out, and they wanted the Soren Lord of Innistrad Planeswalker printed in Dark Ascension to be good. So they printed a pushed card, an uncommon, in white-black, called Lingering Souls. And Lingering Souls was absolutely busted. This is Lingering Souls, in case you were wondering. Lingering Souls makes four spirits. Costs two and a white to make two spirits, and then flashes back for one and a black. So they printed this card to help Soren Lord of Innistrad be good. And it turns out that they pushed Lingering Souls way too much. People were first picking it over pretty much anything in Dark Ascension Draft. They had to uh, ban it in Block Constructed, because Block Constructed was a format then. It was just way too good. Really strong card in Standard as well. And so they ended up printing a lot of minus one, minus one hate, so you could answer a swarm of Lingering Souls tokens. However, since Return to Ravnica came out right after um, Innistrad, they didn't want Deathrite Shaman to get incidentally killed by the hate for Lingering Souls. And so they made it a 1-2. So what does that all mean? It means Deathrite Shaman is Soren's fault. That's what that means. Soren is responsible for Deathrite Shaman being a 1-2. Now let's look at the text box. Deathrite Shaman exiles a land, adds a, basically it's a mana dork for any color while eating the graveyard. In addition to that, it is Reach, exile and uh, messes with Snapcaster Mages and stuff like that, um, draining your opponent out. And it's uh, Graveyard Hate, because why not? Dig Through Time is an egregious card that you can ignore the six for now. It just says exile six cards from your graveyard. Blue, blue, instant. Uh, double Demonic Tutor. No, it's um, look at your top seven and put two into your hand. But it's basically, you grab another dig through time or just 
a force of will and another value card. It's just, it puts you so far ahead whenever this card resolves. It's absolutely busted in half. Earthcraft is a card from Tempest that's been banned for a very long time, and a lot of people think it is safe to unban. It reads, tap an untapped creature you control, untap target basic land. How this card is good is with Squirrel's Squirrel Nest, where you combine those two and you get infinite squirrels, because you can tap the squirrel to untap the land that Squirrel Nest enchanted. Frantic Search. Uh, you'll see the text as it's basically a faithless looting or careful study effect, but it costs three, is an instant, but it untaps three lands. So if you're paying three mana for it, it's effectively free. If you're tapping an ancient tomb, then it actually can put you up on mana. So it's a very powerful dig card in some sorts of storm decks, especially high tide. Gitaxian Probe is a very interesting card. It is now officially banned and restricted in every format that it's ever been in, or that it is currently playable in. So it's banned in Modern, banned in Legacy, banned in Popper, and restricted in Vintage. What does it do to have all that? Well, for Phyrexian blue mana, you can look at target player's hand and it replaces itself. So what this means is magic is a game of hidden information. And Gitaxian Probe removes that symmetry. You know what's in your opponent's hand, and they don't know what's in yours, which means that you can now sculpt your game plan to beat their cards, but they don't know exactly what you have, so it's hard for them to leverage that back against you. A few pros, when the card was first being played, called the card Training Wheels and said you shouldn't need it. And uh, they were eventually proven wrong. Actually knowing what's in your opponent's hand is insane. The information effect just lets you really just use your cards exactly as needed to win the game. You'll know which cards you have to counter, which cards you can let resolve, whether your opponent has counter backup for something, you don't have to play scared if you don't need to, etc, etc. So it comes at a really low cost, and uh, just provides so much advantage. Goblin Recruiter is a 2-mana 1-1 that when it enters the battlefield, you can stack your deck with any number of goblin cards. And so it's a pain to resolve. So it's been banned for the entirety of Legacy. And people think it's probably weak enough that it could come off the ban list. And I don't know, it seems like it's a pain to resolve. You can imagine stacking 20 cards and making sure they're right and double checking it just for, for time considerations. And then also the combination, the combo kill is with food chain. So what you do is you put a goblin recruiter every fourth card down and you play goblins, sacrifice them to make more mana and keep on going off with goblin recruiters, generating mana and eventually you, uh, honestly I don't know quite how you kill with it, but you find a way. Hermitruid. Hermitruid's a two mana one one with green tap and uh, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a basic land card. Put that card into your hand and all others into your graveyard. The trick with Hermit Druid is don't play basic lands. You just, uh, you mill your whole deck. And so doing that, you, uh, you can 
bring up Narcamoebas and flashback a Dread Return. And at that point, you just win the game. So it's a, it's basically a, it's a one green. If I untap, I win. Mana Drain makes Counterspell look terrible. It's a Counterspell, blue-blue, counter-target spell. And then at the beginning of your next main phase, add an amount of colorless mana equal to that spell's converted mana cost. Have you ever mana drained to dig through time? You get a lot of mana to do that. The trick with mana drain, by the way, is if you're trying to use mana drain to protect your own spell, cast that spell on your second main phase. Otherwise, what will happen is you'll mana drain, it will work, and then on your second main phase, you get all that mana back, but you have no way to use it. So say you're trying to force something through and mana drain protect it, do it on your second main phase. Mine's Desire is for some reason not showing up here, so I'll search it up for you. It basically reads, shuffle your library, exile the top card, and you may play that card for free. Storm. So you cast several spells, you cast some rituals, you cast a Mind's Desire, and then you flip over several cards, you cast more rituals, more draw spells, maybe another Mind's Desire, and you keep on chaining off. So it's a very powerful Storm card, and it's been banned in Legacy for a very long time. Wonder how busted it is. Mind Twist is X and Black. Target player discards X cards at random. So for three mana, it's a Him to Turok. For five mana, it's two Him to Turoks. It's not particularly busted, but it's it's fine. Survival of the Fittest is um, a fan favorite of cards on this ban list or unban list. You, uh, you play it, you discard creature cards, and you search up new ones. Doesn't sound super unfair, but when we go over the survival decks, I'll show you how it is. Sensei's Divining Top reads that you have three more cards in your hand at all times. I'm kidding, but I'm not. That's basically what the card says. You have access to the top three cards of your library whenever you need them, and you can put them in every, any order. So you're always drawing the best of the three cards. If you don't like any of them, you can shuffle, you can look again. It's um, probably the best filtering spell ever printed and is also a card that enables some sweet combos like Sensei's Divining Top and Counterbalance where you can uh, continue to rearrange the top cards of your library to pretty much counter any spell that your opponent plays. Wheel of Fortune, straightforward. Each player discards their hand and then draws seven cards. Seems fair, except the decks that play this intend to abuse the symmetry. Windfall is similar. Each player discards their hand and then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way. So if you do it on the play, it's a Wheel of Fortune. On the draw, there might just be four cards left. People are low on cards. Windfall doesn't become as powerful. And Yagma's Bargain is a very powerful storm card. You skip your draw step. That's too bad. How are you going to get cards? Well, you pay one life and you draw a card. So basically you, uh, you put Yagma's Bargain into play via show and tell or some rituals. 
you draw a ton of cards, and you win the game. You can even cast uh, many Tendrils of Agony in the middle of this to gain more life so you can draw more cards. So uh, without further ado, let's, um, let's go into the, uh, into the banned cards, or unbanned cards, and talk about the decks that some people played with them. So I'm going to start off with myself, since, you know, I'm doing this vlog, and I need to give myself some credit. I built a sweet Deathrite Phoenix deck. Deathrite Shaman is a card that enables all sorts of um, broken mana bases to function, but that's not completely how I used it here. I used it in another way as creating a powerful plan B for Arclight Phoenix. So the Phoenix deck goes uh, Cantrip, or Discard Spell, Dark Ritual, Buried Alive, puts three Phoenixes in your graveyard, and at the beginning of combat, you've cast three spells, instants or sorceries, so the Phoenixes come into play, and you, uh, you hit down for nine, then you do it next turn, and it's nine more. So you can win the game really fast. And also, thanks to Gataxian Probe, you now have the turn one play of Gataxian Probe, check that the coast is clear, Dark Ritual, add three mana, and then Buried Alive. So, um, turn one, you don't even have to commit all in if your opponent has counter magic with, that you saw with the probe. You just don't have to do that. And that's the information disparity thing I was talking about with Gitaxian Probe. It lets you know whether or not you're safe to go in on the combo. Deathrite Shaman also enables stuff like, so you go turn one Deathrite Shaman. Then turn two, you go Young Pyromancer, Gitaxian Probe, Cabal Therapy, make an elemental. You've seen their hands, so you can name something correctly. And then you flash it back and do it again. So you've just completely ripped apart your opponent's hand with a fair game plan while hugely advancing your own board. Another thing that Deathrite Shaman does in this deck, in addition to acceleration for both the fair and unfair game plans, is it sacrifices to Cabal Therapy. So if you need a creature in play or just to exile or just sorry, discard one more spell in your opponent's hand that they have an answer to before you go for the buried alive. You can do that. Say you go turn one, death rate shaman. Turn two, you have three mana available. And so you cast Cataxian Probe. You see that their hand has something in it. Say you actually drew one of the lotus petals. You can. Or you say you don't even have a Gitaxian Probe, you have a Lotus Petal. You can go Cabal Therapy, name something. Oh, they have a different answer. You can add mana with Deathrite Shaman, flashback Cabal Therapy for free, just sacrificing the Deathrite, and then cast Buried Alive with your remaining free, uh, three mana, and all of a sudden you have Phoenixes coming down. So this deck just feels really, really powerful. In the sideboard, some... Uh, some new hits. You have Plague Engineers and stuff to answer uh, the creature game plans. and Basically a bunch of stuff that I expected to put people to play. Dig Through Times, uh, graveyard strategies like Survival, Pith the Needle to hit stuff like Survival or Yawgmoth's Bargain. So really that's how this deck looked. Then the, uh, the next deck I want to talk about for Deathrite Shaman is... Uh, Chase Hansen's deck, which is uh, also known as Strifopile, but he's playing it with fully powered four Deathrite Shamans and two Renin Six. 
So the uh, the quote-unquote abysmal mana base of Strifeful Pile is uh, totally fine now. Because Deathrite Shaman and Ren both fix your mana, so you can basically play whatever you want. What is Chase choosing to play? Well, he has Baleful Strix, Snapcaster Mage, Leovold, Plague Engineer. Deck to basically filter through your deck. What this deck has is it has a bunch of powerful but kind of situational stuff. And uh, so you can filter through it and find the right cards for the right situations. The, uh, the quote-unquote combo in the deck is you discard Punishing Fire to Dak Faden, and then you buy it back with Grove of the Burnwillows, which generates card advantage. <laughs> Moving on, we, uh, we can now talk about Dig Through Time. The, uh, the quintessential Dig Through Time deck was Omnitel. Omnitel, it was amazing. Oops, let's fix that. Here we go. Omnitel was the most powerful Dig Through Time deck because it both Dig Through Time both acted as a way to find your combo of Show and Tell into Omniscience, into Cunning Wish, into your Wishboard to win the game. Firemind's Foresight gets stuff, and you eventually Emrakul them or release the ants. But also what Dig Through Time did is, in addition to finding your combo, it could find your win conditions. Once you had the show and tell and omniscience, you can just keep on chaining Dig Through Times until uh, you have everything you need to win. Because you just cast them for free. Another very cool, the other cool Dig Through Time deck was um, Grixis Pyromancer. And so what this deck was, it was a Turbo Xerox deck. You just played a ton of cantrips, Ponder, Preordain, Brainstorm, Ataxium Probe, Cabal Therapy. You just cycled through your deck quickly, made a ton of elemental tokens, and cast Dig Through Time to uh, make sure you never run out of gas. So you'd, it was a fair deck. You'd shred your opponent's hand while building your own and kill all their guys while building your board and play... Ah, I don't know why True Name's image is broken, but 3 mana, 3 ones with protection from your opponent. Just absolutely just running away with the game. Eddie smartly played an extra Force of Negation, because with 4 Dig Through Times, you're not really going to run out of cards. If you can get your... If you can enact your game plan, you're probably going to win. So, as Dig Through Time, looking at Earthcraft... The uh, back to Eddie again. This is Enchantress with Earthcraft. So the cool thing is that Earthcraft and Squirrel Nest are both enchantments. So you enchant a forest with Squirrel Nest. You play Earthcraft. You untap target land, and you get infinite squirrels. So that's a, a little infinite combo in Enchantress. Another thing that Earthcraft can do is you put your... Uh, your Sprawl and Wild Growth cards on a, uh, a forest. And then you tap your Argothian Enchantress to untap that forest, generating extra mana. So, not only is it an infinite combo in this deck, but it also really, really ramps you. So that's something really sweet about Earthcraft in this Enchantress deck. Let's also look at a uh, pretty spicy, pretty spicy one by Chase Hansen which is Earthcraft Opposition. So this deck is playing 
the Earthcraft Squirrel Nest combo, because why not? But what else is he doing with it? Well, he's playing Deathrite Shaman Symbiote just for uh, mana acceleration, and then Baleful Strix, Coiling Oracle, Elvish Visionary, and Ice Fang Quaddle, which are four Elvish Visionaries, Elvish Visionary being the worst one. <laughs> so they're just two mana draw a card, and then you can tap them and untap a land. So they, they basically cantrip. And then with all these creatures, you can then tap them to opposition to tap down all of your opponent's lands in their upkeep. So they really don't get to play magic anymore once you build this board presence. It was um, it's a really cool deck. I love how this thing is built. You got your snow lands so that Ice Fang Quaddle works. Wirewood Symbiote so you can keep on bouncing your visionary cards. Green Sun Zenith is just an extra copy of whatever you need it to be. Honestly, it can like Green Sun into Dryad Arbor just to ramp yourself. And then the infinite combo because infinite squirrels plus tap all your opponent's lands is really sweet for one turn until you kill them with infinite squirrels. Next up, we've got Frantic Search. Now the uh, the quintessential Frantic Search deck is uh, is High Tide. So High Tide makes islands tap for an extra blue. You're all islands. And uh, Stefano was playing a Monastery Mentor sideboard plan, so he played one Tundra as well, but the typical builds are all islands. So you make a ton of blue mana, you filter through your deck, you find usually Time Spiral, so it's a draw seven that untaps six lands. But with High Tide, since your islands tap for extra mana, you're generating mana each time you do that. And Frantic Search, again with High Tide, generates extra mana. So you draw cards, you discard the cards you don't need, like extra lands or whatever, and you generate more mana, just continuing your storm count. Eventually, when you feel like it, you Cunning Wish for a Brain Freeze, and you mill your opponent out. Nice and easy. Or, say your opponent's playing stuff like Emrakul the Eon's Torn, or you just can't mill them out for whatever reason, you generate a ton of mana, like 50-something, 60 mana, and you Blue Sun Zenith them, and make them draw their entire deck. And they lose. Sweet deck. It's the uh, definitely the best Frantic Search deck. It's just an, it's a natural fit. It's also playing two Sensei's Divining Top to make sure that you can find what you need when you need it, because as we discussed, Sensei's Divining Top is insane filtering. And Stefano is playing Mind's Desire as um, basically Time Spiral number five. You just cast a bunch of spells, you Mind's Desire for a ton. Mother High Tide lists were playing more Mind's Desire, which I uh, also believe is totally reasonable. Another Frantic Search deck is this one. So it's, um, it's Chase's decks again. He, he builds sweet decks. This is a Pyromancer, Pyromancer Ascension deck. Grixis Pyromancer. So it's doing the same uh, Pyromancer probe cabal therapy thing that we all know and love. It's got a full place of dig through times, and it's also got Pyromancer Ascension. So you'll notice that these are all four ofs, or most of them are. Frantic Search is only a three. But you co cast copies of cards that are already in your graveyard. You put counters on Pyromancer's Ascension. 
And then when you get two counters on it, you get to copy every spell you cast. So if you thought that blue blue for uh, look at your top seven and pick two is good, imagine doing that twice. Basically top 14 and pick four. It just, you just win the game. Straight up. There's, there's no coming back from that. What Frantic Search does in this deck is it fills the graveyard for Dig Through Time. It's absolutely free, so you can discard your extra lands. This deck doesn't need many lands to function. It just needs a couple to get itself going. So you need to have the requisite density. But once you have a few lands in play, you can just pitch your extras, and Frantic Search is amazing at that. It also puts... Uh, primary copies of cards in the graveyard for Pyromancer Ascension, so you can start getting counters faster, so you, you can like pitch one preordain and then cast the other. Just turning this card on real fast. Really cool deck. You don't actually even need Young Pyromancer to ever attack to win. You can turn on Pyromancer Ascension and, and then just start bolting your opponent. With four bolts and active Pyromancer Ascension, with one active Pyromancer Ascension, Bolts deal 6, so 6 times 4 is 24. And then with multiple Pyromancer Ascensions going, you, uh, you can deal a ton of damage without even ever attacking once. Moving on from that, we are now at everyone's least favorite card, Cataxian Probe. So I'm going to go back to this Deathrite Phoenix deck, talk a little bit more about Cataxian Probe. I mean, we talked about the information asymmetry and how that's insane with Cabal Therapy. But really the reason that everyone, not everyone, most people hate Cataxian Probe is because it creates really unfun gameplay. Part of uh, magic is being able to read your opponent and figuring out what they have and, what, and kind of trying to mask what you have. And it, just, it takes away that element of the game. Which... Uh, it's like map hacking. If you uh, played any like real-time strategy games like StarCraft or Warcraft or what have you. Being able to see everything when your opponent can't is just not fair. So, probe. Gotta love it. Just kidding. The other quintessential Gataxian probe deck is Grixis Delver. So this is uh, Adam Wallace's version. It looks really clean. It's basically a classic Grixis Delver deck. You've got Deathrite, Delver, Young Pyromancer, Gurmag Angler. And so you have that whole Deathrite into Pyromancer, Probe, Therapy, Flashback, Therapy, Rip Your Hand. Then you also have Days to back the whole thing up and Force of Will. And so your opponent's hands get shredded. You build this unbeatable board state. These creatures all synergize beautifully, and I'm going to briefly explain why. So Deathrite Shaman is a mana dork that wins the game that's also a good late game. It's a real threat and real graveyard hate. Delver is a 1-mana 3-2 flying that dies to everything, but also only costs 1. So that's fine. Young Pyromancer goes wide, so your opponent needs to be able to have small damage sweepers to deal with this, or stuff like Abrupt Decay. And then Gurmag goes tall. So Gurmag is best answered by cards like Diabolic Edict, or I guess more frequently uh, these days, Liliana's Triumph. But with Young Pyromancer, those cards do nothing. And so if you're playing Gurmag Anglers and your opponent draws one mana sweepers, 
then uh, you've got four four Gurmags. That's fine. You're uh, you're on the young Pyromancer plan, and your opponent has the uh, the edicts. Then those do nothing. And if only there were some way to figure out what was in your opponent's hand, huh? Let's play four of that card. Okay, so everyone's favorite busted Grixis Delver deck. Now, unfortunately, the next card on this list is Goblin Recruiter. And um, at least week one, no one registered any Goblin Recruiter decks. I don't know if people just didn't feel like clicking through 20 cards on Magic Online. I certainly didn't. Or they didn't think the card's good enough. I also didn't. So <laughs> I have no Goblin Recruiter decks for us to look at. But maybe we'll have them coming forward. There's a lot of players and a lot of decks to run. Someone's probably going to be adventurous. So moving on to the next card that people did play, we have Hermit Druid. This is um, Eddie's Turbo Hermit Druid deck. So he is playing Dazes to, uh, to back up this all-in combo. Chrome Mox, Lotus Petal to Accelerate. And his plan is to basically brainstorm and keep sevens, thanks to the London Mulligan. Gem a Hermit Druid into play as soon as possible. Untap with it, thanks to Days and Force of Will, and also Probe Therapy. And then uh, you just mill your uh, entire deck. You get back some Narc Amoebas. You Cabal Therapy your opponent. You can do that for free thanks to the bridge from below so you get zombies back. You then cast a Dread Return. Target Angel of Glory's Rise. You get Laboratory Maniac back. You get Hermit Druids, which don't really matter. And you get a Hapless Researcher, which is a human wizard, even though the card doesn't say so. Then you sacrifice it to draw a card. Discard a card from your hand. Uh-oh, you're out of cards. That means you lose. Wait, nope, you win. So, um... The sideboard is entirely anti-hate and some hate, so anti-blue cards make counter spells harder, also anti-graveyard, anti-surgical extraction, and anti-leyline. Pretty straightforward deck. Next is a different Hermit Druid deck. This is um, Hermit Druid... Uh, Cephalid Breakfast Neoform kind of thing. So it looks like Cephalid Breakfast, even though I don't think it actually plays Cephalid Illusionist. Nope, it does not. But same plan. However, you play Neoform, and you can Neoform Deathrite or Mother of Runes or Noble Hierarch into a Hermit Druid. Or if you'd prefer, you can grab a Stoneforge Mystic, or you can honestly just start pitching the twos into threes. It's a toolbox combo deck, so it has a fair game plan and an unfair one. So this deck is all creatures, 30 creatures, which is, as far as I'm concerned, all creatures. So what that means is then, you once you mill yourself, your entire deck, with um, Hermit Druid, you can then Dread Return a lot with Giant, enters the battlefield, and deals one damage to target opponent for each creature card in your graveyard, which is going to be more than 20. So you win. 
He's also playing Lightning Greaves, which you can tutor up with Stoneforge Mystic, and it gives your uh, your Hermit Druid haste and shroud, so you can play and sacrifice it the turn, or play and activate it. Sorry, the turn it comes into play. So this is a really cool uh, take on a fair unfair hybrid version of Hermit Druid. Now on to Mana Drain. So here's, um, this is a Grixis Pyromancer deck, so it's doing the whole Pyromancer probe therapy thing that we've uh, probably gotten sick of it by this point, playing the, four, the full plates that I dig through time. However, Patrick's going slightly bigger than, uh, than Chase was doing. He's playing three Mana Drain, and so what he's doing here is playing a little bit more of a control game where not only are you ripping your opponent's hand apart, but you're also protecting yourself. And then after you resolve a mana drain, you have a ton of mana. You can cast Pyromancer for red, Jace for blue-blue, or what have you, and you can uh, combo off like that. One second. To make sure my cat's not screwing with my cables too much. Excuse me, Mary. I'm going to need to evict you. Say hi to the cat. Everyone on MinMax vlog, this is Miri. She is my cat. She likes to be involved. She's very helpful. But she's being a little bit too helpful. So now on to the next Mana Drain deck. How about a deck that just plays Counterspell anyway, like Miracles? So this is um, Anurag's Miracles list that he submitted for Unchained. He's not playing Dig Through Time in this version because we are only allowed to register Dig Through Time in one deck. We kind of all agreed that the card is busted and unfun, and uh, it goes into every blue deck. And so in order to allow for deck building diversity, we restricted everyone to one Dig Through Time deck. So Anurag did not choose to do Dig Through Time in his Miracles list. However, he's playing Mana Drain, which as we've established, uh, removes this colorless cost from all sorts of spells, like Jace. Or you can cast Free Sensei's Tops, or cast Predict for only blue mana. So um, there's lots of ways to make use of Mana Drain in this deck, and since you're playing Counterspell anyway, it's, uh, it's pure upside. Going on from there, we have old uh, old Mind's Desire. So let's let's go into that. Let's look at what Mind's Desire looks like. Rodrigo Tagores is um, a very very good Storm player. He's won a Grand Prix with Ant, and uh, just he's known for being an absolute master of deck building with Storm and playing the deck. So this is what he calls a Desire Storm. So he's playing Mind's Desire, as well as a bunch of, you know, cantrips, but rituals going up, Manamorphos, Mana Rocks, for a full place, 20 artifact Mana Rocks. So Chrome Mox, Lion's Eye Diamond, Lotus Petal, Mox Opal, and Grim Monolith. Ramp into big Mind's Desires, at which point you, uh, continue to uh, draw your deck and wheel and go from that, you'll notice that this deck has no discard in it. So uh, how do you deal with Wheel of Fortune? 
giving your opponent cards when you have no discard? Well, the answer is that your density of must answer threats is so high, and also that Mind's Desire is very hard to actually counter because it's a storm card. So if they, uh, if someone wants to force of will it, they can only force of will one copy. And if they want to flush or storm it, this deck has so much mana that you can pay for a bunch of copies. So eventually when uh, all is said and done, you Burning Wish, and uh, you can grab Grape Shot, or empty the Warrens, or Tendrils of Agoneer, even the fourth Mind's Desire. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's, that would be mid-combo. So you can win with whatever you need. So that's uh, Rodrigo's Desire Storm. Now looking at a, uh, a Mind's Desire-centric High Tide list. Uh, Stefan Schutz, Mental Misstep, is not playing uh, Time Spiral in this deck at all. You'll notice that yeah, not there. So what's he doing instead of this the time spiral quintessential uh, spiral tide card? Well, he's playing Mind's Desire. So he's on the full frantic search package. Uh, Merchant Scroll can find you. Uh, dig through times, frantic search, cunning wish. The actual card high tide itself. Uh, mana drain, force of will if you need to protect it. And so you. The same thing that you were doing before with High Tide, of casting High Tide, playing a bunch of spells, drawing a bunch of cards, casting more High Tides, and then uh, his plan is to chain Mind's Desires. Also, his plan is to untap lands with Frantic Search. Let's just put that out there, since you're not playing Time Spiral. Frantic Search is how he's uh, generating mana. So then you got Mind's Desire going, and so you Mind's Desire, so you flip a bunch of cards, you flip more Frantic Searches, so then you can tap your mana and then put float blue and then you cast frantic searches for free off the desire and untap your lands. So you still generate more than enough mana to win the game. Stefano was playing a monastery mentor. However, Stefan is playing tropical one tropical island for two Veil of Summer. So Veil of Summer has the uh, the text Spells you control count can't be countered this turn, and you and permanents you control gain hexproof from blue and black until end of turn. So there I was, about to about to absolutely crush Stefan. I had I was playing him week one, and I had Thoughtseize and a Pyromancer and a Cabal Therapy. And so I was gonna Thoughtseize him, look at his hand. Cabal Therapy, take a card. Flashback Cabal Therapy, take the other card. However, Stefan had four mana in play, so he Cunning Wished, and he grabbed Veil of Summer, and my entire plan fell apart, because all he had to do was Veil the first Thoughtseize, and I couldn't rip his hand apart, and he killed me the next turn. It was rough. So, uh, yeah. Moving on from that, we've got the fan favorite Survival of the Fittest. Julian Knab played a lot of Survival way back when it was legal. And this was his favorite build of it. It's kind of mavericky. You'll notice like Night of the Reliquary, Thalia, all your favorite maverick hits like Noble and Mother of Runes. But what it also has is for Survival of the Fittest which you can use to get 
loyal retainers. You uh, sacrifice them and you return Iona or Elish Norn from your graveyard, which you discarded with survival, to the battlefield. So it's got a combo kill as well. It's um it's basically a hyper-powered Maverick deck. Which I think is pretty cool. My version of survival was um pretty vintage vintage inspired, since that's um I've started playing Legacy after Survival is banned, however I've played a fair amount of Vintage online because Vintage is not expensive online. And um, it's like $30,000 in paper, but really not that bad online. So what I'm doing is far more, uh, I'm not going to say fair, but it's not like full combo reanimate a big creature. It's uh, you discard root. You discard venge vines. You discard root walls. You cast them for free. You cast free hollow ones because you've discarded several cards. You bring your venge vines back, back, and you attack. And you've got wonder so that they can fly over things and just win the game straight up. I've also added a toolbox, much like Julian had. I've got a containment priest for decks that do graveyard better than you do. So even though it's a huge non-bow with your actual like venge vine plan. Uh, if you're playing against like Dredge or say one of the Hermit decks I expected people to play, I would rather get a Containment Priest in play and turn off my own plan if that means turning off theirs. Get Octeague is great against stuff like Force of Will or Terminus. Meddling Mage uh, shuts down... Game 1 it shuts down Omnitel outright, you just name Cunning Wish and they can't win. Actually, no, they can. They have a single Emrakul in their deck, but you can also just name Show and Tell, and they have to uh, resolve a wish for an answer, and it's just... It takes too long, and you, uh, you kill them because you're an aggro deck. You're playing 31 creatures. It's got Bizarre Trade Mage, which uh, the Vintage version plays for Bizarre of Baghdad, and this is the closest thing to it. It's tutorable with uh, Survival, so that's pretty cool. You discard cards, you cast... So you can discard root wallas and cast them. You put venge vines in your graveyard. And uh, you just combo real hard that way. Elvish Spirit Guide is for when you have extra creatures but are a little bit short on mana. What you can do is uh, grab, discard a card, grab a Spirit Guide, and that activation doesn't cost you mana because you've made it back. So you can like, discard extra venge vines that way. Leovold is another powerful tutor target. So um, you uh, can really just shut down your opponent. Like Yagmoth's Bargain doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, Squee Goblin Nabob is a cool way to generate card advantage with survival because you can discard Squee and get whatever you need. And then on your upkeep, Squee just comes back. Really nice of him. And then you've got the Venge Vines and uh, Hollow One combo. Just four power beaters, and then I'm playing seven cantrips to sculpt what you need, four brainstorm, and three careful study. Next up we've got Sensei's Divining Top. Let's look at that. So here is what I think is probably the, the most powerful deck that anyone registered in this entire week one, and it's a uh, Callum's Unchained Mentor Miracles. And I put miracles in quotes because the entire cards with mir the Miracle mechanic are uh, the two Terminus right here in the sideboard. Everything else is not a Miracle. 
the miracle is that he's able to play all these cards at once. He's playing four Gitaxian Probes, four Sensei's Divining Top, and three Dig Through Time in this four Mentor Shell. So the plan here, and Day is to back it all up. The plan here is turn one top, turn two, counterbalance, Day's backup. Don't have that often. Turn three, Mentor with Day's backup if you didn't need to blow it earlier. And then you've got protection for Mentor because you have your top counterbalance. You've got Gitaxian Probe for free monks. You've got a ton of cantrips between Brainstorm and Ponder and Probe, so you're going to be spinning your wheels and making a ton of monks. And uh, you've got Sensei's Divining Top that you can continue to loop with Monastery Mentor. So if you have two Sensei's Tops, you can continue to flip them. So you, one of them draws the top card, put top on top. The next one, you draw your top card, which is Sensei's Top, put a top on top. And so for every one mana you spend, you, uh, you get a spell for Mentor. So Mentor basically kills almost instantaneously. It deals exponential amounts of damage. And then three dig through time, because why not? So the, uh, the, hyper, power, the hyper fast Miracles deck like this kind of risks flooding out. But dig through time means that you're not going to run out of gas anymore. You can uh, find your best cards. So that's really sweet. And then uh, Calm also brought another sweet Sensei's top deck to the to week one, which was uh, Strawberry Shortcake. Strawberry Shortcake is a deck that is Red White Painter. It's called Strawberry Shortcake because of the colors. But yeah, it's Red White Painter. And what Sensei's Divining Top allows you to do in this deck is uh, basically find the right pieces. It's a, it's a combo deck that wants to win extremely quickly, and so Top lets you do that. It also creates nice little combos with stuff like Goblin Welder. You need to weld something out. You can flip Top, weld in response, put Top in your graveyard, the other your graveyard card onto the battlefield. You draw the card off Top because it does not stop you from doing that. And then it looks for Sensei's Divining Top in play to put on top of its owner's library, and you can't do that anymore because it's gone. It's in your graveyard. So you basically just draw a card in addition to welding. So really sweet combo there. It's a, it's a toolbox deck with six Pyroblasts, which is pretty powerful in this very blue heavy metagame. So going on, and also you've got th uh, three Blood Moons in the main deck and a Magus because why not, right? Playing all these red cards, and you've seen all the greedy piles that people have been playing, with most with zero basics. So why not just crush them? Absolutely ruin their day. Moving on from here, we've got a couple cool decks uh, utilizing Windfall. This is Mark Koenig's, or Bara, as he's more often known, Wheel Stompy. So this is a Chalice deck. Be straight, straight up. It's a Chalice deck, Transfer deck, and then it, its win conditions of choice are Blood Moon, Chandra, and uh, the old Narset wheel combo. So if you have Narset in play, each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn, and Wheel of Fortune turns into you draw seven cards and your opponent discards their hand and draws a random one off the top. So Narset breaks the symmetry of wheel really quickly. 
which is pretty sweet. It's always nice when uh, when decks do powerful things like that. The next deck I wanted to show with uh, Wheel and Windfall is Julian's Unchained Burning Storm. So this is kind of like Rodrigo's Blue Red Storm deck, except Julian is playing more Windfalls and Mind's Desires. He's also playing three Mizzix's Masteries in the main. If you're not familiar with what this card is, because I wasn't, it's um, it's kind of like a single target Past in Flames. So you exile a target card in an in instant of sorcery in your graveyard, and uh, you can cast that card for free. And then it overloads for 8 mana. It's a lot. But you can cast your entire graveyard for free. And so the idea here is you're, uh, you're discarding your hands and drawing cards and just kind of overloading your opponent again. That's the, been the trend here with these blue-red decks. And jamming through Mind's Desires and Mizzix's Masteries and Windfalls and Wheel of Fortunes until one of them sticks. The cool part about wheel effects is they demand your opponent use the force of will that's in their hand, because if they don't, that force of will is no good anyway. So you can kind of use your wheels as discard effects, even though you're not actively playing any discard effects straight up. The, uh, the next storm deck I want to talk about is uh, with Yagmas Bargain. So going back to Rodrigo, this is... A pretty, uh, I think, straightforward Yagmas Bargain deck. It's got two main deck defense grids, so you can go off in peace and not worry about being bolted. It's a storm deck with Force of Will in it, which is probably one of the craziest things about it. Normally, um, storm decks aren't able to use Force of Will to protect themselves, but this one is. In addition to, like, you know, the dresses and defense grids and stuff. So you've got Mind's Desire and Yagmas Bargain that you ritual up to. And you cast a bunch of cards for free, you draw a bunch of cards, and eventually uh, you kill with the Tendrils. I also wanted to talk a little bit about some of the decks that people brought to combat the expected metagame. Uh, this one is really sweet. It's Soldier Stompy, which is, um, I'd say, fringe playable in current Legacy. But when you when you look at cards like Yagmas Bargain or Mind's Desire or what have you, the cool thing is it doesn't matter how broken the cards are if they can't cast them. And so you got main deck containment priests, so too bad survival. Four main deck Thalias, so that all your storm decks kind of fall apart. You've got kind of classic uh, soldier cards, this is like a soldier fiend hunter. Preeminent captain is like a goblin lackey for soldiers. Thalia is really good against all like the fair decks that people are playing with non-basic lands and creatures. Dara Warchief buffs your soldiers. Enlistment officer is um, a goblin ringleader for soldiers because back then, Human was not a creature type, and so Soldier was the recruiter, much to uh, Eddie's dismay. And then you've got Palace Jailer, which is uh, a very new soldier, but a soldier nonetheless, that exiles a creature and gives you the monarchy. So just lets you run, run away with the game or keep pace against the control decks. Also, now look at Suppression Field. Activated abilities cost two more to play unless they're mana abilities. So... 
let's uh let's pop open the uh the ban or the unban list again activated ability activated ability sorry this is the mana ability so that's fine activated ability Survival, activated ability, each time. Sense the Divining Top, activated ability, each time. Dogmoss Bargain, activated ability, each time. So um, Suppression Field basically shuts off all these unbanned cards. Which, uh, I mean, the cards are insanely powerful, but if they don't work, they don't work. So um, that's uh, one way to poke a hole in the metagame. I did a... I had a similar idea to what Eddie did. What I pulled up was um, White Eldrazi. And so instead of the Suppression Field plan, I was also doing Thalias and a bunch of Containment Priests and what have you. And I was playing Thought Not Seers because it doesn't matter how good your card is if it's gone. Then four Chalices, of course, same as Eddie. And uh, Caracas to balance all the... I thought people were going to be showing telling some things like Grizzle Brands, and so Caracas balances those. It's also just really good with uh, keeping your Thalias safe. So yeah, that's, um, that's kind of what people brought week one for uh, Legacy Unchained. It's a, it's a wide variety of decks, and if you're interested in what they have brought go to minmaxblog.com and check out the legacy unchained here at the top i'll show you you go to minmax.blog.com click on legacy unchained right up here and you can find out everything you want to know about it got all the unbanned cards everyone who's playing the week one deck lists and the bracket as it's working out so you'll see that go on you can see that I lost round one, lots of people won. And uh, you can click on week one deck list to see what everyone is playing. You can also go to uh, the MinMax blog YouTube channel soon and you will be able to find VODs there. And also posted on uh, the MTG Legacy subreddit, we've been uh, trying to make weekly posts there to keep people up to speed on what's going on, where they can find VODs and whatnot. So I hope you enjoyed this uh min max vlog brought to you by max talking about legacy unchained and i will see you all soon bye, -bye.